Well, good morning. It'll be just a moment because I was very caught up in that song and, and how the Lord is confirming the message for today. 
our God will always be enough. And we're going to talk about two individuals who found that out. One is a person who gained tremendous fame and fortune in this world. And one we read about and who affects our lives each and every day as we read the Word of God. But I'm gonna, I need the Lord's intervention in this message today, and I would like to pray and ask his blessing upon our time together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful. We're thankful how you touch our lives each and every day. We're thankful that you are the one who fills our every need. And Lord, I ask you now that you just bless this time together. Bless the words that come out of my mouth. May they just be from you. And Lord, may you just open our hearts that we may hear what you have to say to us today. Lord, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you do in our lives. We ask your blessing in your name. Amen. Amen. The main text is going to be out of Acts chapter 9. So while we're turning there, I'd like to share a little personal testimony. The title of today's message is three words. And now what? And we're going to talk about that. And now what? I'd like to give you a little testimony. The road to my li uh, life with the Lord had many events. First and foremost, my brother Mike and his family were instrumental in me coming to the Lord. And I will never forget him and them for the impact that they made on my life. And now the fruit is coming down to my wife, my, my daughters, my granddaughter, and it goes on and on. And I'm very grateful. Like I said, it was many events. Uh, one happened to be when I was watching a, a football game. And in the end zone, you see this guy, he's got this big Afro wig, and it's rainbow color, it's red, yellow, green, and he holds up this sign, John 3.16. Well, it worked for me. I opened up my mother's Bible, and I looked in to see what was John 3.16 about. You know, and that, back then, that was probably 30 years ago. And back then, he kind of stuck out. Today's football games, he kind of blends in. <laughs> but there was another event that led to my life with Christ. There was, a, a, uh, there was an interview with a basketball player. His name is Pistol Pete Maravich. I don't know if you've heard about him or heard his testimony but this is a man, he was being interviewed on ESPN when they were a very new network. And uh, Pistol Pete got his nickname because when he was young, he was a decent basketball player, but he had to shoot from, from his pocket like this because he, he wasn't strong enough to shoot from over his head. And he was pretty good, and someone gave him the nickname, said, hey, he looks like he's shooting a pistol. So the, the nickname stuck. And he's known as Pistol. He's known as Pistol Pete. But Pistol Pete, he's one of the top 50 best basketball players of all time. So he's achieved quite a, quite a lot in his life. 
And so when he was being interviewed on ESPN, that was Pistol Pete Maravich. I wanted to hear what he had to say. I'm thinking, well, he was going to talk about his basketball career, and he did a little bit. He gave his testimony on ESPN. He gave his testimony from start to finish, and I listened. And I thought, this is Pistol Pete Maravich. He may have something to say that I may be interested in. Because I played football, basketball, baseball, ran a little track in high school. I was into sports. That was my thing. I dedicated a lot of time and effort to sports. Sports was very important to me for a very long time. It still is. I, I really enjoy it for the pure aspect of what it is. During his interview, he explained that when he was a young boy, his father came up to him and said, I'm not going to be able to send you to college. The only way you're going to be able to go to college is that you need to earn a scholarship and have them pay your way to college. That's the only way. So we're going to find out that this man was a very focused and driven individual. See, this is the first example. We'll get to the second example shortly. But he was very driven. So from that day forward, he picked up a basketball and it never left his hands. He would dribble. The story is, is that he would dribble with his right hand to school, and it, when he was walking home, he dribbled with his left hand. And then he started riding his bicycle to school, and the dribbling kept. He would ride the bike, dribble with his hand, ride the bike home, dribble with his hand, and then it got even more weird. His dad would start driving him to school, and no kidding, he would stick his head and arm out the window and dribble outside the car as it was moving. And the way he explained it is he had to push the ball forward, and as the car came up to him, he caught it. Dedication. And he said he even slept with his basketball. I tried that once. <laughs> I tried that once, and uh, once is all it took. But he had, he had goals, and he had dreams, and he had aspirations. His goal, he said, was to go to college, was to go pro, sign a million-dollar contract, win a championship diamond ring. That was his goal, word for word. This type of goal, though, is quite common amongst young people. They see the glitter and, the, and, and, and what at, athletics at that level can give, money, fame, fortune. Security? Yes? No? Maybe? We'll talk about that. But Pete had a, possessed a drive in his life, a drive that will come to his benefit in another path, and we'll come to that. But he shared that in the eighth grade, he was so good that college coaches were already coming to scout him. In the eighth grade. He played varsity from 8th grade to the 12th grade. He was very successful. 
he ended up going to Louisiana State University. And back in those days, a freshman could not play varsity basketball. Right, Carl? So he had to play JV. And he was already a success in high school. So he could have probably, in this day and age, gone right to the pro level. So he had to sit out. But he played three years of varsity. And his records still stand today. He averaged 44 points per game for his career. 44 points per game. And this was before the three-point shot. You know how they got that, that longer shot now where they can make three points? They didn't have that back in those days. And I looked it up. His record stands today. 44 points per game. He's somebody in the basketball world. He's somebody. He was drafted by the Atlanta Hawks. So he's well on his way to living out his dream. He's drafted into the pros. He signs a contract for the most money of any athlete at that time. Not player, not basketball player, athlete. Not rookie, athlete. Covered the whole, all the sports. He's playing pro. He went to college. He's playing pro. He signs for a lot of money. Hey, he's living out his dream. Sounds pretty good so far. But during his pro career, he, there was a lot, some jealousy from the older veteran players. He signs for all this money. His, his style was a little more flamboyant and flashy than it was used to back in those days. But he was a tremendous ball handler. He could dribble. He would, he would put on clinics, and he would put on shows of his ball handling skills. It was quite amazing what he could do with a basketball. And towards the end of his career, he would go and do, do demonstrations. And he was asked to go to a Bible camp one year. And Pete loved the world. He, 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 he uh, found alcohol in his life and uh, had no aspirations about God at this point. But he was asked to go to a Bible camp to do a demonstration. So he, he got a friend of his, and he had to drive a few states, and they were uh, stopping at a few bars on the way. And they finally got there, and the uh, leader of the Bible camp said, uh, Mr. Maravich, can you wait just a couple of days? We have some events uh, that we need to take place before we can have you come in. So he did, and, and Pete, you can look up his testimony on, on YouTube, and he'll give it to you. And he says, when I got to that Bible camp, I saw men praying, and I got nervous. I got ashamed. I got bothered. It affected me seeing men pray. So he's at the Bible camp, and he has to wait a couple of days. So what does one do at a Bible camp? You go to a meetings, right? So he ends up going to a meeting, him and his friend. And the speaker was giving him the gospel message. Jesus loves you, died for you, and loves you. And, his, and at the end of the message, 
they asked people to come forward. Who would like to accept Jesus Christ as Savior? And his friend was getting up, and he's heading on up. And Pete goes, where are you going? What are you doing? He says, I'm going. I heard what's being said here. I'm going. Pete at that moment didn't really buy it yet, didn't really get it. But his friend said, hey, I, I hear it. I hear it. I hear the message about Jesus Christ. And they got into a conversation. And his friend helped lead him in his brief time with the Lord to the Lord. And Pete went up at that Bible camp. And it changed his life because he was searching. He was searching in his heart, and he admits it. He was looking at other religions. What is the meaning of life? Why am I here? Because he found out basketball was not it. Basketball was not it. Even though he devoted his entire life and obtained all of his goals, he was still unfulfilled. And he was searching. Why am I here? What am I to do? And where am I going? Three questions that perplex mankind for as long as we can remember. Why am I here? Where am I going? Where did I come from? Pete was searching. But he was a driven individual. And when he got it, man, he got it. He got it. And we're going to talk about another gentleman who had not the same profession, but he had the same type of aspirations. He wanted to be successful in this world. And I'm going to do whatever I can to be successful in this world, whether it be a job, whether it be a hobby, whether it be whatever business that you have that you're determined to be successful at outside of the Lord. We have many distractions that can take our 24 hours a day. Many distractions that can take our days, our weeks, our months, and our years. And we're going to talk about, in Acts chapter 9, it talks about a gentleman we know, we know very well. Saul of Tarsus. But some of us don't know him as Saul of Tarsus. We know him as Paul. But Paul had a beginning. And what's interesting about the Bible is that the Bible talks about people where they were and how wretched they were and what God did in their life to transform them, to change them, and to convert them. Pete Maravich, he was successful at the highest level of basketball that you can get. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1987. A college jersey he wore sold for $94,000 in 2007. A game basketball that he signed, which he played a game against the New York Knicks. It's a famous game where he scored 68 points against the New York Knicks. He signed it. Sold for $131,450 for a basketball with a signature on it. Incredible. Incredible. How we elevate people. But, but Pete got it. So in Acts chapter 9, we're going to talk about Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was a, was a wicked man. 
He was a murderer. And what's interesting about it, how we, let's pay attention to, to what God did in Saul's life. How he changed this man. He changed him in so many ways. 180 degrees. He was walking this way. God touched him and grabbed him and sent him the direct opposite. He's on fire to, to kill and destroy Christians. And God said, hey, Saul, what are you doing? What are you doing? So verse 9, now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that he, so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way is Christianity, is Christianity. John chapter 14, verse 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way. Both men and women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he was on a mission. This is the man who wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Previously, he's out to go capture Christians. As he was traveling, it happens that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Wow. This is a heavy, heavy time in Saul's life. He's meeting God. But get up and enter into the city. It will be told of you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Can you imagine that? Being those men, hearing the voice, and where's this coming from? Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could not see. So the, so the men led him to Damascus. And he was there for three days, and he couldn't see. And he didn't eat or drink. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. This is a God, godly man, Ananias. And God asked, say, Ananias. Ananias said, here I am. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man named Tar from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Wow. He's praying now. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard many about this man. How much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. Ananias heard about Saul. So Ananias is saying, wait a minute, Lord, are you sure? Don't you know who this is? And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Ananias is getting a little nervous. But how often when God asks us to do something that's a little out of our comfort zone? Are you sure, Lord? You want me to do that? You want me to talk to that person? That's God who asks, though. 
But the Lord said to him, Go for me, oh, excuse me, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house. So Ananias said, okay, done. And after laying hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. So now he's Brother Saul. Now he's Brother Saul. What a transformation is taking place. Right before our eyes, right before Ananias' eyes. A transformation that will affect people globally. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me that you may again regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a change going on here. Radical change in Saul's life. And immediately they fell from, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And now he's baptized. Hmm. Pretty amazing. And he took food and was strengthened. Now he's strengthened. For several days he was with the disciples who were, who were at Damascus, now he's hanging out with the Christians. He's fellowshipping with the Christians. Aren't those the ones that he was uh, heading on to capture? Now he's hanging out with them. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is the Son of God. Man, it just keeps getting better and better. Not only is he hanging out with the Christians, now he's proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. Who is this? Who is this? This is not Saul of Tarsus. This is a totally changed person. Totally changed. Yeah, his name did change to Paul. But that's his name. But the person changed. Radically. And all those hearing him continued to be amazed, absolutely, and were saying, isn't this not the one who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on his name? Just like he's doing. Just like he's doing. And who had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests. People are saying, huh? Is this a tactic? Is this a ploy? They're still not sure. They're still not sure about this Saul. But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Wow. Transformation. Conversion. Conversion. Changed. Inside. Outside. His name. That comes later. But it's minimal. The person, the man, Saul, was changed inside his heart. Where he was going and what he was doing. Now a few years passed in Galatians, it talks about him going to Arabia. He took some time. This is a big step for this guy. 
Now he's going to get close to the Lord. And he's going to get away from people a little bit and just be one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. And the Lord's speaking to him. And in verse 23 it says, When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. So now the hunter is now the hunted. Can you imagine that? And reading about Paul, reading about Saul and then Paul, I don't ever recall him saying, when it got tough, when they're coming after him, when they're throwing me in the prison, hey, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? I'm Saul of Tarsus. He never said that. He didn't say, don't you know who I am? He stuck with it till the day he died. He did not waver away from Christ. Not one lynch. And he, and, but their plot became known to Saul. A couple more minutes here. They were also watching the gates. They wanted to destroy Saul. They wanted to capture him. But he had a friend of his, Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas. Barnabas, in verse 27, took hold, of his, took hold of him, brought him to the apostles, and described them to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that how he had talked to him, and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name. Barnabas is fired up. He's ready. To, he, look at this guy. Look at this changed man. I can vouch for him. I've seen it. Because they weren't believing him in the beginning. I mean, this is Saul of Tarsus, the murder and capture of Christians. Sometimes when, we, when we're converted, people are, yeah, we'll see. This may be a phase. You know, you went through the sports phase. You went through the drinking phase. Now you're going through the Christianity phase. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But Paul didn't waver, and he didn't let that slow him down either. Doubt of others. We press on. We keep going. We don't allow that doubt. Well, we'll see. Yeah, sure, right. Time will tell. Don't matter. We're moving on. We're pressing on for the Lord. And he was with them, with them moving freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. So he goes from watching Stephen get stoned to going after people in Damascus, now he's speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. Transformation, conversion, change, radical. But that's what God does. What is it that may grip our heart? What is it? Could it be basketball like uh, Pete Maravich? Because thank God that Pete Maravich came to the Lord when he did. Because, I don't know if you know the story about him. He was playing basketball in a pickup game with a gentleman named James Dobson from Focus on the Family. And uh, he had a heart attack and died at 40 years old. Right there. He was doing something that he could dream about. He could do things with a basketball. He didn't even need to have his eyes open. And he was doing it. His, one of the favorite things that he could, he could do 
And the Lord said, hey, come home. I didn't know Pete Berovich personally, but his testimony affected my life. The testimony of my brother affected my life and affects my life. The testimony of, of Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, who wrote 13 books in the New Testament. We've been affected by Saul of Tarsus. We've been affected by what God did in this man's life. We've been affected in an eternal way. Not in basketball. Not in what we do on our daily basis here. It affects our destination. Where are we going to go? Pete Maravich, when he was growing up, he was successful in high school. And people would say, and now what? And now what are you going to do? And he's thinking, well, I had a good high school career. And he went to college. And, they had, and he was very successful. His records still stand. The question is, and now what? And at the end of his NBA career, he asked that same question himself. And now what am I going to do? Life's more than a cycle of growing up, learning a career, working, having a family, retiring, and now what? Where are we going? God has the answer to that. God has provided a way for that. We don't have to do much. But sometimes it's very difficult. Because our heart is, and our head is telling us one thing. But God is saying, hey, I'm here. I provided a way for you. When your time here is done on this earth, and it will, that's what we all have in common, 100% guaranteed. Our days here will end. God is going to, has a place for us reserved. Our home. Our home. We're just passing through this, this town. We have a home waiting for us in heaven because of what Jesus Christ. Pete Maravich found his completion, his answer. Paul found his life purpose in God. What is it that may be distracting us? Because it's out there. We were just talking. The technology is, is crazy what's out there now. You, on their cell phones, you can watch TV. That's crazy. Just a distraction away from Jesus Christ. Time's up. Time's up. So may the Lord speak to us. May speak, reach deep down in our hearts and speak to us. Are we where God wants us to be? Are we on the path where God wants us to be? Or are we distracted by goals, aspirations in this world? 
in this world. I want to be an NBA basketball player and I want to win money and championship and set all kinds of records. For what? We're just temporarily here. Temporarily. Temporary. We're just passing through. Just passing through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this time. And Lord, I just pray that these words will reach deep down in our hearts and we'll see the examples of Pete Maravich and Saul of Tarsus and who later became Paul. And his writings are instrumental in, in our lives, Lord. And we're thankful on, on the work you did in each one of their lives and how you affected people around them, Lord. And Lord, it's we just ask that you reach in our hearts and may we evaluate where we're going. Where are we spending our time? Where are we spending our efforts? Are they tri trivialities of this world? Or are they have eternity values in view? Lord, I just thank you for the privilege it is to, to speak for a few moments. And I just pray that you just go out into this world and, and affect lives. May we be a reflection of your love through the people around us. And Lord, may we just be ready to give a testimony at any, any moment of time. Lord, we just pray that you just guide us home safely. We thank you and praise you for this time. It's in your name. Amen.